May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Being a church professional, and indeed in some ways being a priest, uh, is, is an amazing thing, and I absolutely love it. And it certainly comes with its own um, uh, public hazards, if you will. But it's not undifferent, or not any different than other careers, other vocations, other people out in the world where when they find out what you do for a living or where you work, they have thoughts or opinions or questions. This happens to people who don't wear some outward invisible sign of who they are in the world either. It happens to teachers and lawyers. It happens to people who own restaurants or sell insurance. Someone finds out what you do and says, so I've been wondering. Or, you know, the worst experience I ever had, which is not what anybody asked for in that moment. But it certainly happens as well to those of us who have some sort of outward sign of who we are and what we do. A friend of mine is an emergency room doctor in another part of North Carolina, and she had just worked an overnight shift. It was about 8.15, 8.30 in the morning, and she was filling up her car with gas and across the gas pump, she's still in her scrubs with her hospital ID badge hanging from the pocket. And across the, the gas pump, this person says, are you, a, are you a doctor? And she went, mm-hmm. And the person said, so I've got this spot that I'm wondering. So here's, my, here's her advice. If you have a spot and you're wondering if you should get it looked at, you should. Because Laura said, yes, you should get that looked at. The person said, but you didn't even really. Just, it's okay. Don't need to. If you have a question, go see your doctor. A police friend of mine used to say that, his, that one of the top questions he got asked was, so how fast over the speed limit can I really go before you're going to come after me? If I were to list out the top five questions I get as a priest, both from uh, people within the congregation, but also people at gas pumps and grocery stores, one of those questions would be about prayer. How, where, when, is it effective? I feel like I'm not listening well enough. I'm pretty sure I'm not doing it right. The past two weeks, today and last week, our gospel lessons have been about communication with God. And this week in particular, it's about prayer. Last week was the one about Martha and Mary. Martha the worker and Mary the learner, which is an interesting parallel in that what happened there is an interesting parallel to Jesus' statement today of ask and you will receive. But we'll get to that in a moment. Today's gospel lesson is sometimes called the most Jewish of all Jesus' teachings. When I was, had just graduated seminary and right before I was ordained, I did an internship at the Hebrew home of Rockville, which is a retirement community um, run by several local synagogues. And the, the 
supervisor was a guy named Jim who was a rabbi. And if you called him Rabbi Jim, he would say, I'm Jim, you're Paul. Yes, sir. Um, but he loved this prayer and talked about how this prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples is, a, is very much a culmination of all the teachings that had come before, that Jesus was here to fulfill and to expound upon. It starts with the sacredness, the holiness of God's name. It is a petition for God's rule on earth. It's a reminder that God provides what we need when we need it. Hearkening back to the days in the wilderness when God's people were wandering in the wilderness and God provided manna. And God provided manna for today and not for next week. There's a request to be forgiven of our shortcomings and it's tied to our willingness to forgive others. And there's a call to trust in that God's path is the correct path. The thing about what we have come to call the Lord's Prayer is that it is not the only prayer. In fact, we see Jesus praying in a few other times in the, in the Gospels, and he doesn't use this, but he uses it as a model. Jesus gives us a pattern, a model to follow. What I love about this particular passage, too, is that the very next example Jesus gives of the neighbor who's tucked in bed, who helps on the very first time the person knocks on their door, even though he doesn't want to. And there's another passage a little bit later in Luke where, you know, the, the unjust judge has to be pestered uh, by, the, by the widow to, to do what she wants. In this situation, the neighbor helps on the first ask. But before we, before we think of God as, an, as a begrudging neighbor, we have to see that first example with the second example. There's a whole string of things in there that actually made a really cool song in the musical Godspell. But it's a reminder that God is not going to give us worse than we ask for, but better than we ask for. So we parallel that back to Martha and Mary last week, where Jesus, if we think about Jesus saying, ask and you will receive. And Martha says, well, Jesus, tell my sister to help. And Jesus says, no, not so much. It's a reminder, though, that what Jesus offers is a better way. There's a time for the hustle and the busy. And there's a time to sit with Jesus. If you want to know more about that and more thoughts on that, I would encourage you to listen to Lisa's sermon from last week. It's available on our website. What I want you to know about prayer today is that it is a lot like many other things in this life. The more you do it, the more comfortable you will be. Now note that I did not say the more you do it, the better you will be at it. Because the goal is to be consistent, not proficient. You will have days, I have days, and sometimes banks of days, where you feel like you have nothing to say, or that God is not saying anything to you. And sometimes that happens. But God is still there, and God is still active. Just because 
Just because something is baking in the oven and you're not doing anything doesn't mean something isn't happening. Prayer is like a lot of things that we know are good for us, like exercise, eating healthy, being nice to the people around us even when we don't want to. Sometimes we feel that we are in a zone and it clicks and it doesn't matter if other people are not nice to us. We're going to be nice to them and we're going to love every minute of it. And we're going to drink those kale smoothies and love it. And we're going to do all those exercises and feel awesome afterwards. And then other days, you cannot finish the kale smoothie because you have just had enough. You cannot do one more sit-up, one more burpee, walk 100 more yards, whatever it is, because you feel like you're just going through the motions. And you might need to mix it up. You might need to try something new. But the most important thing I want you to know about prayer is the importance and the value in doing it, wherever you can be, whenever you can do it. Because it is an important means of connecting with God, with God, our creator, our savior, and our sustainer. As many of you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the general convention of the Episcopal Church, and the chaplain for the House of Deputies where I was serving was a guy named Lester McKenzie, and he's a a priest in the Diocese of Los Angeles, and he's a bit of an imposing presence. I mean, he looks like he might could play for the Los Angeles Rams or something like that, And when he stands up, he's got this big, booming voice that he almost didn't need the microphone. And they had to tell him to step back a little bit from the mic when he was speaking so he didn't blow out the speakers. And he opened every one of our sessions with prayer and sometimes came to us in prayer in the middle of a session. And he said something, he had a way of closing his prayers that will always stick with me. He said... We ask this in the name of Jesus because we know you love it when we pray. And the first time he said it, I'm standing there, I'm like, oh, yes, yes. And I went, and I turned to the guy next to me, I said, what did he say? He said, I don't know, but I'm really going to listen the next time, too. I was like, yeah, I'm going to hang on to that. So getting to hear Lester say 12, 13 times in the course of just a few days, We ask this in the name of Jesus because we know you love it when we pray. Powerful. So you want to talk about prayer? My door is open. It's not something you should be embarrassed about or or wonder about. There's no judgment in what you do or don't do or how you pray. My door is open. I will speak for Suzanne that her door is open as well. Lisa doesn't keep regular office hours, but she is available also. That's our job. We'd love to talk to you more about prayer if you ever have questions. And if, you, if you're a little too intimidated to talk to a clergy person about it, we have some amazing lay people in this parish who would love to talk to you about prayer also. I'm not going to call them out by name from the pulpit, but if you want to talk to somebody and you don't want it to be one of us, we have people and we would love to connect you because part of our job is to help all of us connect better with, our, with the Creator because God loves it when we pray. So let us pray together. 
O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your Spirit, lift us to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, because we know you love it when we pray. And let all God's people say, Amen. Amen. 